Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. I have thought time and again, more than a few times, about the possibility that this coronavirus, COVID-19, pandemic, may not have been accidental. But I have only referred to that definite possibility, plausible inception of this, a few times thus far. Namely that instead of it being the result of stupidity, ignorance, accident, and so forth, that it may have been deliberately caused. I do still believe that it was probably the result of stupidity and ignorance and accident and greed and what have you. But, Nonetheless, I recognize the possibility, steeped in deniability, if you will, plausible deniability, that it, it could have been initiated on purpose. There is a fascinating article that has been written, that has been heavily researched, and written by Matt Ridley of the Wall Street Journal that appeared a couple days ago now, on April 9th, in the Wall Street Journal, in which he details this COVID-19 coronavirus with regard to (laughs) experimentation with it by the communist Chinese regime. Now, I refer you to Matt Ridley's article entitled The Bats Behind the Pandemic, in which he stated that these viruses, these deadly, deadly viruses that have visited the peoples of this earth during the past many years. They seem to share a source, an animal source, including viruses such as Ebola, as well as COVID-19. But he stated that Horseshoe bat feces were collected back in 2013 in a cave in Yunnan, China. Not to be confused with Wuhan, China, in Hubei province. No, there's a vast separation between them. A thousand miles or more. But he stated that this material was 
collected by scientists who were wearing extremely protective gear and that it was transported to the Institute of Virology in Wuhan from Yunnan to Wuhan. Yes, the same Wuhan in Hubei province where this coronavirus caught fire from, you might say. But he stated that unless additional evidence should come forth, unless evidence linking this, unless evidence that there was deliberate involvement in causing this epidemic, then pandemic, that he views it, I believe his conclusion was that he views it as likely being just a a monstrous, incredible coincidence. So again, not saying that it was deliberately caused, but that there is even more inkling of the possibility of that than I had been aware of. I viewed it as a definite possibility, but without the benefit of knowing this information. So again, I refer you to his article in the Wall Street Journal dated April 9th with the title, The Bats Behind the Pandemic by Matt Ridley. Extraordinary work. But whether it was caused deliberately or instead was the result of ignorance, stupidity, filthiness, accident, what have you. Either way, it's out there. And this denial that has gone on, (laughs) this exercise in futility of denial of being a pandemic, you know, for months, certainly has not helped with regard to stemming the tide of it. But Meanwhile, the United States of America has now officially surpassed Italy as having the greatest number of fatalities, more than 20,000. But there is more to come, of course. And even though it is hitting hard in the United States of America right now, There is no reason to assume that first place in fatalities will maintain as it is the province of the United States of America now. No, it's entirely possible that the United States of America may be overtaken for first place by some other unfortunate nations. One reason that I (laughs) view it as, again, probably accidental that this came about, is a little matter that right now Putin's Russian regime, 
the Russian Federation is beginning to feel the effect of this COVID-19 pandemic. Putin's Russian regime, which is so closely tied to the communist Chinese regime. It just seems as if this were deliberately initiated. There would have been attempt to shield Russia from that. What about shielding the Chinese people? Well, if the Chinese people had been shielded from it, then there certainly wouldn't be the degree of plausible deniability that there is, would there? Have you ever heard the term cannon fodder? That great old term, cannon fodder. You know, <laughs> This king and that king, this monarch and that monarch, this emperor and that emperor, using multitudes of their people as cannon fodder. Because after all, in the pursuit of the greater good of the regime, of increasing the size and the riches and the majesty of the empire and therefore of the emperor, it certainly is reasonable to use the lives of multitudes of peons and peasants and what have the great unwashed masses, right? As cannon fodder. So what if multitudes die if it helps lead to greater glory, so-called, and majesty for some horrendous despot or other? Well, of course, one example of that is Adolf Hitler who very gladly sacrificed not only young men, but all of the people of Germany, elderly people and young boys down to grade school age, very gladly sacrificed them all in this great cause while he made his escape. Merely one example, one case in point of that. But then we have the examples of emperors who have died and whose tombs have been surrounded with the carcasses of multitudes of poor people who were murdered to keep him company or whatever. Is it possible that a bloody communist regime that just happens to have been, historically speaking, the most brutal, bloody regime of all human history, that's right, communist China, is it possible that they could have done such a thing deliberately, realizing full well that many Chinese would die. Is that possible? Is that plausible? Is it imaginable? Well, some would say no. 
But they're the same ones who would deny (laughs) the history of communist China. So, meanwhile, speaking of incredible, horrible, additional dangers that are surfacing around the world right now, presently. There is an area of forest, radioactive forest surrounding the Chernobyl nuclear plant, the abandoned territory of the Chernobyl nuclear plant surrounded by radioactive forest that has been, you might say, in a dormant state, so to speak. Well, the condition of that forest is changing ever so rapidly. What's causing that, you might ask? Well, How about wildfires? Wildfires burning through this vast forest. It's been stated that even though the radiation levels are significantly lower than they were following the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, that there still is significant risk. Firefighters are braving the conditions to quash these wildfires, but very dangerous situation. And the wind can raise hot particles in the air together with the ash and blow it towards populated areas. And it can land on gardens or fields and later be consumed in food. They stated that, and this is ironic, that because of the coronavirus, measures being taken to keep multitudes from dying from that, that people are staying at home, walking less, wearing masks, and as a result of that, are at somewhat less risk than they otherwise would be. It's been stated that the main risk from the fires has to do with inhaling small radioactive particles in the smoke. These were cast out from the explosion of the Chernobyl reactor, according to Olena Miskun, who is an air pollution expert with Ikodaya, an environmental advocacy group. But Just a terrible complication. Terrible. Currently, 
there has been a concentration on comparatively rural areas of Russia and Belarus. But the winds have shifted towards Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. And we should pray that people will be spared this. Meanwhile, I mentioned before, likening this pandemic and its path, one of its paths, it might be likened to the ring of fire from New Zealand all the way up to Russia and Alaska and down the Pacific coast all the way to the tip of Chile and Argentina. That this is another type of a ring of fire, not necessarily traversing the same path, but circumnavigating the globe. But what if, what if you were to combine the explosive force the terrible, devastating force of earthquakes, multiple earthquakes, massive, overdue earthquakes, something to the tune of magnitude 9.0 on the Richter scale, which is projected for the greater Seattle-Puget Sound area. Or you know, a lowly, mere 8.2 down in the San Francisco Bay Area or the greater Los Angeles area. Now, I have zero confidence in these findings that state that that's the maximum, the maximum magnitude of an earthquake of the big one hitting Los Angeles or San Francisco, 8.2. Why should we believe that? It was just a very short time ago that it was thought that the maximum magnitude for the Seattle area was less than that. And now (laughs) the sky's the limit. Now 9.0, even 10.0. So I just do not have confidence in these figures, in these factoids, in these findings, in these models that are used to determine what's the worst that could happen. I happen to believe that what we imagine is the worst that can happen is short of the worst that can happen. But Meanwhile, down in greater Los Angeles, in Burbank, that's right, pleasant Burbank, there was an explosion. It wasn't an earthquake. No, no, it was just a power substation that exploded. But you know what? A week or so before this exploded, the other day, a week or so before that, there was an earthquake. In greater Los Angeles, it was, I believe, about 20 miles south of Palm Springs. 
may have been less than that, like 18.3 or something. And I saw various different towns mentioned, Palm Desert and what have you. And it was a lowly 4.9 magnitude on the Richter scale. 4.9, that's, you know, not even significant. What's that? But the nearest community was Palm Springs. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Palm Springs, what is Palm Springs famous for? Palm Springs is famous as a resort, as a vacation land, as a place of so very many golf tournaments and outdoor activities and what have you. And a favorite watering hole of VIP celebrities from Hollywood and greater Los Angeles. What else is Palm Springs synonymous with? Well, if we go back just a very few years, the population demographics stated that something to the tune of one third of the people were sodomites, male homosexuals, female homosexuals. It had risen. It had been a lowly, you know, quarter of the population, but it had risen to 30% and then a full third. And now it is proudly, proudly claimed that 50% or more of the population is sodomite. Female sodomites, male sodomites. Female homosexuals, male homosexuals. What does that have to do with anything? Well, if there's no God, it has nothing to do with anything, does it? You know, if there is no cause and effect, then there's no God. And there is no such thing then as righteousness because... Who's to be the arbiter of that? Then I suppose it could be posited that it has nothing to do with anything. Then man is the measure of all things. Woman is the measure of all things. And whatever we say goes, goes, and so on and so forth. But the true founders of this nation, I'm not referring to the Native American Indian population, but the true founders of this country that should become a nation. The pilgrims and Puritans had a very different view of that. Poor backwards lot of people that they were, right? That feared God, honored God, worshipped God, loved God, served God. Contrary to what you may be led to believe by others, but they had a very different view, took a very different stand with regard to such things. But but anyway, this explosion of this substation, this power substation, it was not supposedly caused by an earthquake. But who knows? Who can say that this wasn't a delayed reaction to that small earthquake that struck several days earlier. Who can really definitively say that? Well, imagine for a moment 
instead of a 4.9 magnitude earthquake. That Los Angeles is struck by, you know, what is supposed to be the maximum, 8.2. And perhaps, maybe, just maybe worse than that, 8.5, 8.7, There are multiple faults that crisscross and intersect up and down the length of California down on into Mexico and Central America, South America, but on up through Oregon, Washington, into British Columbia, and on up the coast, finally reaching Alaska and so forth. There are also numerous volcanic mountains, volcanic peaks, Many of them, most of them are considered to be dormant. But you know what? Every now and then a dormant volcano erupts. Every now and then. And if we had one earthquake go off and another and maybe trigger one another and the fault lines move and the plates scrape against one another under enormous pressure and volcano here, volcano there. The amount of destructive force and the amount of absolute astonishing destruction that could take place almost be unimaginably great. Breathtakingly great. And tack that on top of an existent pandemic. Just just be staggering. Extraordinary. There are three faults that run underneath or adjacent to the great Lake Tahoe. And it has been stated that if there is an event there, it will cause a tsunami in Lake Tahoe. Not out at the ocean, but at Lake Tahoe of all places. Almost unimaginable. This enormously deep lake. This spectacularly beautiful place pristine beauty despite the presence of mankind. They could have a tsunami there. How much more so in Puget Sound? How much more so in Long Beach, California? How much more so taking out all of the built-up San Francisco Bay, which has been filled in to such an extent and built on and everything else? It can all go. The entire coastline can be reshaped, redefined, relocated. Before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs 
is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's lacking, erring, deficient, that's due to me. That's on me. That is my fault. But again, just pause to consider. If you have hospitals that are already overwhelmed by people infected with this virus or that virus, doesn't have to be the coronavirus, COVID-19. It can be something else, right? Some other pandemic. And then you add fuel to the fire. with chain reaction earthquakes and volcanic eruptions and tsunamis and the massive blackout of all communications, of all the great technology and everything else, it'd just be a nightmare beyond imagination. You would swear that this was all a result of nuclear war, of World War III. But, Nope, that can never happen. We'll move right on (laughs) to the presidential election, the presidential race. Oh, perhaps you have much greater belief in modeling than I do. Well, another form of modeling is these polls, polling, public opinion polling, campaign polling. So the most recent polls, they stated that Major swing states, so-called, as if there really is such a thing, but swing states, not other states, but swing states, such as Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Florida. So Florida, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, that they are leaning, they are leaning, figuratively speaking, they are leaning towards... Uncle Joe Biden. It was also stated that Wisconsin is, but guess what? Wisconsin, you may be a wonderful state. You may have wonderful dairy cows. You may have beautiful lakes, and you may have the Green Bay Packers, and you may have beautiful women and all kinds of cheesehead fanatic fans for the Packers and what have you. But Michigan is politically much more significant, as is Pennsylvania, as is Florida, than Wisconsin. Meanwhile, there's supposed to be very close, very tight, Races in Georgia, Texas, Ohio. Very tight, very close. Too close to call. But, again, these other states leaning towards Joe Biden. Very exciting. Can't wait to see how things are several months from now. As Again, as I said at the time, that the incumbent president delivered his State of the Union address and he crowed boastfully 
if you will recall, about the economy, about the extremely low unemployment rate, about the extremely boisterously successful stock market, if you will recall, (laughs) I mentioned that those things can change in a veritable heartbeat. And for him to be crowing about those things, boasting of those things, was the height of foolishness, but still not nearly as foolish as so much else of what he says and does. But And how true it was. But here we are. Meanwhile, speaking of something really frightening, a hospital in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, or you may pronounce it Wilkes-Barre, however you prefer, but I've driven through there. Many, many, many times, traversing from north to south, south to north, and what have you. Driving right, not just past, but through Scranton, Pennsylvania. Well, the Moses Taylor Hospital in Scranton, Pennsylvania. What a situation they have had. What a near situation they have had. Really fearful. They happen to have a NICU, a neonatal intensive care unit there, which treats preemie babies, prematurely born babies, and babies that are not thriving, newborn babies that are not thriving and or that are premature and or premature and not thriving. These precious little babies, it treats them, this intensive care unit for neonatal, specifically, exclusively. Such extremely important work, vital, critical service. And the recovering mothers. Well, this hospital's administration brilliantly chose to have nurses work not simultaneously in the sense that they would only be in one department at a time, but go directly from one to another from the neonatal intensive care unit to work on the COVID-19 floor. And vice versa, back and forth, including one nurse who is pregnant. Absolutely horrendous. Talk about a prescription for disaster. This pregnant nurse, she said that, you know, as fearful as she was for her baby, that she was just overwhelmed with fear about these babies in the neonatal intensive care unit who were immunocompromised. 
and their mothers, whom she was treating, even while she was being sent to work on the COVID floor. Furthermore, in addition to that, she was caring for patients who had not yet tested positive for COVID-19. And she and other nurses, they were treating these patients even before they themselves had been issued protective gear, protective apparel, and so forth. And they were not given such until patients tested positive. This hospital in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and many others are owned by a company, Community Health Systems, based in Tennessee. As terrible, as unconscionable, as horrendous as that is, I don't mean to say that that is the only such company. That that is the only such situation. I fear it is the case in many places. But it is absolutely horrendous. So I recommend you pray for those precious babies and their mothers and these nurses that are caring for them. And of course, for the doctors. Meanwhile, in addition to these grief-stricken, anguished, exceedingly anxious nurses who've been serving there bravely, lovingly, sacrificially, fearfully in Scranton, PA, at Moses Taylor Hospital, and in many other places. This terrible, terrible, extraordinary tragedy from the United Kingdom. This young woman, Laura Richards, 32 years of age. She was at the funeral of her mother, Julie Murphy, in Warwickshire, England. Her mother, only 63 years of age, had died from coronavirus, COVID-19 complications, what have you. She had become infected at a nursing home. Why she was in a nursing home at such a young age, I don't know. But at the funeral, this 32-year-old daughter was overcome with grief and suffered a fatal heart attack, collapsing to the ground as her mother's coffin was lowered into the ground. Another sister, a half-sister, was there. A half-sister who is in a very high-risk category because she received a kidney transplant. She was there. She was present. 
45-year-old half-sister Sadie. And she described it. But she said that her half-sister cried out, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. She was clutching her chest. But unbelievable, extraordinary, monstrous tragedy. Meanwhile, on a more pleasant note, a mother of five children, Christina Paz, she's a realtor. She was released from the hospital. She is from Staten Island. She was a patient at Staten Island University Hospital. And she was discharged after suffering for two weeks. Separation from her husband and five children. It said that 75% of New York patients have been discharged from New York hospitals. Meanwhile, something also in New York which I thought was praiseworthy, worth mentioning, this in Suffolk County, the Girl Scouts of Suffolk County. They donated, and it's, it's more by now, but as of the other day, they had donated 36,000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies to nurses, doctors, personnel working at Huntington Hospital, Peconic Bay Medical Center, East West Industries, more than 30 locations in total during the past two weeks. And they have also included thank you cards and homemade masks along with the cookies. A wonderful labor of love by these Girl Scouts of Suffolk County, New York. Meanwhile, I previously referred to the USS Theodore Roosevelt and the actions of then-acting Navy Secretary Thomas Modley. Thomas Modley, who was a graduate, of the Naval Academy, who had served in the Navy, so to speak. There is service, and then there is service. I am reminded of the service of former President James Earl Carter Jr., Jimmy, trust me, Carter, who served in a very highly political capacity, rising up to become number two or top assistant to the commander of the entire nuclear sub-fleet of the Navy. But before retiring to become a peanut farmer in Georgia and uh, (laughs) then becoming a famously ruthless, ambitious politician known as that among those who truly knew the man and know the man. But... 
this Thomas Modley, who was then acting Navy secretary, who sacked, who canned, who fired the commander of the USS Theodore Roosevelt, Captain Brett Crozier, for what terrible, terrible transgression did Crozier or Crozier commit that was so deserving to be fired by this acting Navy secretary over the objections of illustrious military commanders. The civilian acting Navy secretary, Thomas Modley, he fired Captain Brett Crozier or Crozier because a letter that the captain had sent up the command to Navy brass with regard to his concerns for his crew of nearly 5,000 in the midst of infection on board from the coronavirus, he was pleading for help for his crew. But that letter became publicly known. And this acting secretary fired him for that. And then, then he flew out to Guam to rip the crew up one side and down the other profanely condemning them for cheering for their captain as he left the ship. Well, the Trump administration, under the leadership of the commander-in-chief, saw fit to relieve acting Navy Secretary Thomas Modley of his position. Whether it was a matter of the president and the president's men and women being sufficiently offended over it, or whether it was simply damage control, I don't know. But in any case, the 7th Fleet Commander, Vice Admiral, William Mers. He paid a visit to the TR. He was only on board for six hours, I believe. But he is now under quarantine for 14 days. But he stated that the crew was extremely anxious. Quote, there was lots of anxiety about the virus. As you can imagine, the morale covers the spectrum considering what they have been through. End quote. Well, thankfully, again, that acting Navy secretary was forced to resign. was allowed to resign, should have been fired, (laughs) like he fired Captain Crozier. But meanwhile, in the military realm, so to speak, 
United States fighter jets intercepted two Russian patrol aircraft approaching Alaska. This was a couple days ago, three days ago now, I believe. Today is April 11th. It is nearly 9 p.m. Eastern Time, headed towards Resurrection Sunday. This was back on Wednesday, so this is a few days ago now. But United States airmen flying F-22 Raptors, they intercepted two Russian IL-38 aircraft that were entering Alaskan Air Defense Identification Zone, according to NORAD, which stated that Russian maritime reconnaissance aircraft used to hunt for submarines were intercepted in the Bering Sea, north of the Aleutian Islands, and did not enter United States nor Canadian Sovereign airspace. But what is it indicative of? This is not accidental. This is not unintentional. Were the United States of America, Russia, I would say this was poking the bear, but (laughs) this is the bear poking us. Meanwhile, in Russia, The Kremlin has made some remarkable statements, such as, quote, the situation in both Moscow and St. Petersburg, but mostly in Moscow, is quite tense because the number of sick people is growing. There is a huge influx of patients. We are seeing hospitals in Moscow working extremely intensely in heroic emergency mode. End quote. This pertaining to coronavirus, COVID-19. Again, I just think if this was deliberate by the communist Chinese regime, that there would have been closer coordination with Russia. But who knows? But meanwhile, in the United States of America, we've heard about the airlines and the cruise lines and all manner of businesses that have been devastated, all manner of small businesses in particular, whether in retail or in all other manner of business that have been absolutely devastated and may ultimately be destroyed by the measures taken to stem the tide of the coronavirus coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. There's been precious little said regarding farmers, ranchers, and so forth. But they have been hit as hard as anybody has been hit. It is wiping them out. The reason for you seeing images of milk being dumped is they cannot store (laughs) the milk indefinitely. The prices for milk 
are terribly low. The distribution channels are disrupted. The prices they're receiving for beef are terribly low. And yet, when people can get steak, they're paying top dollar for it. It is a disaster for the agricultural community. Meanwhile, police in New York City, they have broken up Hasidic Jewish funerals. Hasidim and the Jewish ultra-Orthodox believe that the funerals, they must take place post-haste. But the police have other ideas. Meanwhile, our president, he states that faith leaders They must let the country get healed before holding in-person services. He states, quote, I'm a Christian, and that he will be watching a service this Easter Sunday. Well, I say this, if President Donald Trump is a Christian, then we're all Christians. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But... Perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.